Rudy Giuliani. is a lot more than a flag. A flag is a symbol uniting us in the set of values that Abraham Lincoln once said defined Americans. Americans are not connected by a common ethnic background like French, Italian, German, Irish. Even that is, you know, more vague than it appears, but at least there's a consistency to it. And we're not uh, connected by uh, the same religion as at one time, let's say, Italy uh, being all Roman Catholic or, or Southern Ireland or Poland or uh, Germany being one part Lutheran, one part Catholic, you know, Israel, Jewish. We're not connected by one race, as are some uh, countries in Africa or Asia. What are we connected by? Ideas that we agree on that we have always believed, and most of us always believe, came from God. The rights that were given to us in the Constitution, the beautiful Declaration of Rights, which really is the, uh, the Declaration of Independence, our, our, uh, our, our secular religion, I think Lincoln once referred to it as. The more you believe in those American values, the greater American you are, Lincoln once said. It's not judged by the day that you came here or your family came here judged by the passion of your belief. And the flag represents that, as does the national anthem, which is why I've never had any, any uh, tolerance for those who uh, destroy the flag or kneel during the national anthem. Or These are the things, if you understand human behavior, unite countries. And when you tear them apart, as communists do in order to take over countries, you're headed for disaster. It's a lot deeper than just the burning of a flag. It's getting a country to hate itself. We're not going to do that. That's why we played the grand old flag for the opening. Well, the, the crime continues unabated uh, in Bling, Mayor Bling Bling City. Uh, I don't know. This guy talks the right game and then does all the wrong things. And he was a cop, I think. I would ask, I really ask this seriously because I'd love to change to some extent my, my, my view of him. Could you explain some arrest that he made at some time? Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'll tell you why I say that, because I don't see coming out of City Hall common sense, sensible, experienced law enforcement, which I'm in a very good position to judge. I've been in law enforcement more of my life than I have anything else and a lot more than they have, and at much higher levels and under much greater pressure. I can tell a good policeman from a bad one, and I can tell a well-run police department from a very poorly run police department. Um, we've always been very well run until now. The subway situation is completely intolerable. Now, it is true. There is a part of this, and um, maybe if I were arguing for Adams, if I were his lawyer or political whatever speaker, <laughs> Uh, I would say <clears throat> this bail law is pretty bad. 
So you never faced anything like this. Well, that's not true. Koch and I faced the let him loose Bruce's, the judges who were unbelievably terrible. I don't know how many times I was criticized or Ed Koch was criticized for attacking judges. You're not supposed to do that. Judges are independent. You can't attack them. I used to rip them apart. Koch used to rip them apart. I had an extra thing I added to it. I used to take the rap sheet of the person that he let out who hurt somebody, and I'd throw it across the press room floor. Usually used to go to the back. So here's one now that is like, just, if you're just going to pick one, I could, gosh, I'm going to go to the blotter and get you plenty. It's a guy named Donnie Ubiera. He's 32 years old. He was arrested Saturday, and he was uh, charged with two counts of attempted murder, assault and possession of a weapon. He, basically, he uh, stabbed uh, two people within uh, a few, uh, one was, I guess there were a few stops apart on the 7 train. And he used a knife. And just so you think, it's all by gun. I mean, it is, I mean I'm not discounting guns here. But this guy didn't need a gun. These are two knifings uh, within just a little couple miles of each other. On the subway, again, the subway which is totally out of control. Now, why do I mention this case? I mention this case because the guy had been arrested, if I'm reading this correctly, and I think I am, the guy was arrested... Last Wednesday, and in this case, he used a, 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 a piece of wood with nails embedded in it to strike a man consistently with it. And then when the police caught up with him, he responded to them by pulling out a knife. He was, um, and then it says here, he was ordered held without bail after the stabbings, yet he was out on Saturday. But I think what they mean in this article, which is very nicely written to make a district attorney look good, they mean the second time. Uh, obviously, this guy went ahead, attacked someone with a board with nails, threatened the police with a knife, was arrested, and was arrested, and then was let out so that he could do two more within a day. And... Um, and then the, then the DA held him without bail, uh, for which the MTA chairman and CEO uh, gives great praise to the district attorney, Melinda Katz, for aggressively pushing to protect New Yorkers. Now, I know and I like Linda, Melinda. Uh, I've, had, well, I've known her for many, 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 many years. And to me, she's one of the better DAs in New York. And I'm a little confused about this, but if this article is telling me the truth, what the heck did they let this guy out for when he started attacking someone with a board with nails in it and then tried to attack the police with a knife? Now, maybe this is some errant assistant U.S. attorney in Melinda's office, but wake up. He attacked a cop and you let him out in two hours. He then attacked two elderly people after that. You might as well have gone with him for the attacks. What the hell is wrong with you? This is going on hour after hour, half hour after half hour, all throughout New York. This is why the city is going through an epidemic of crime. And this is one of our better DAs, maybe our best. 
with the police. He pulled out a knife and he refused to drop it. That's called resisting arrest. That's what Bragg wanted to let people out for without bail. Apparently, they are letting him out without bail. Oh, here it is. He spent one night in jail before being released on Thursday. And by Friday, he was attacking people again. He didn't wait long. At eight, he, got, he got released on Thursday at 8.40 a.m. on Friday. He's out there slashing people and stabbing people with a knife. Okay, this has to end. There are a lot of things that, 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 that we put Adams on the hook for and the police. Uh, the police caught this guy. That plus, plus one for the police. They caught him on a crime that should have put him in jail. Stabbing someone with, with nails. And then resisting arrest should be mandatory jail. The only way you're going to teach them to respect the police is you stick their body in a prison cell when they attack a police officer. When they show a gun or a knife to a police officer, baby, you're going to jail. And it's going to be a rule on the streets. And I'm going to tell you, as the mayor who reduced crime more than anyone and knows the most about it, that gets around the streets so quick, you can't believe how quick it goes around. I can tell you stories about that since before you were born I did that. I can tell you what happened on the Lower East Side when I brought the DEA in, when the cops were arresting people, and turnstile justice was letting everybody go back out and sell drugs. When I took them in the federal system, within three weeks, they started to worry when we were going to come around. And would you believe we made a case where they bribed a drug enforcement agent to let him go, just tell the cop to arrest him the next day. We are creating this crime. We, Hochul, Adams, and the people who support them are creating this crime. It is not necessary. So last night was a debate for the four candidates. And uh, I can't go over the whole debate. I can tell you that the greatest uh, fireworks and hostility were between Zeldin and, and um, Wilson. And uh, they continued throughout. There was also an attack by Zeldin on Astorino. Uh, I guess the way I would evaluate it is, and this put in, please, my prejudice and bias as Andrew's father, but I'm trying to evaluate this as a debate. Zeldin was on the attack. Uh, at times, not very effective at it. He seems whiny more than, um, more than, uh, you know, commanding. Uh, his little, his things like uh, Rolex Rob, but not exactly like Trump saying, you know, low energy Bush, comes from a much weaker presentation and personality. So it sounds a little whiny. Plus, he never explained what Rolex is all about. But I guess he figures everybody knows. Uh, and, uh, and then attacking, um, attacking Wilson quite viciously, really. Now, I, I always was taught <laughs> in a debate, if you're going to attack, attack only one, not two people, uh, because you, you, you only get a certain amount of time. So if you look at the amount of time spent by Zeldin attacking and talking about what he was going to do, it's about, you know, three quarters, one quarter. The other guys were... were Wilson was about the same, but largely to respond. And Astorino, about a quarter defending and three quarters 
uh, positive. And Giuliani was 100 percent uh, not respond, responsive, except occasionally to the reporters who treated him differently than the other three where they interrupted him more often. Uh, however, here's the exchange between Zeldin and uh, Wilson, and I'd really like to know the answer to this. Listen to it, and this is about Lieutenant Governor. Let's listen to this. Let's look at the facts. In 2010, Mr. Zeldin and I campaigned together. In the years since, he has asked me multiple times to run for statewide office. In January of this year, he asked me to be on his ticket. Now, why is he dishonestly attacking me now? Because his campaign is disintegrating. He is spending illegally because he has spent all of his primary cash. And he knows he is failing. So he's attacking the biggest threat because we're surging right now. Mr. Yeah, I mean, I, I never asked and I wouldn't ask yes, never Trump did. or Harry Wilson. January 12th, Lieutenant he did. Governor. I've got the notes from that conversation. Don't lie. I, there's, Don't lie. Okay, that is a zero percent chance. But as far as... 100 percent chance you did I wouldn't it. want you to serve as you Lieutenant asked. Governor. I asked Alice Esposito, commanding Stop officer lying. and deputy inspector of the 70th precinct. Stop lying. She was 24 years along a career in the NYPD. She would have become an NYPD chief. Her father was an NYPD chief. She was I the 15th honored. person you asked, and you know it. I mean, this guy Everybody doesn't stop. You You're wrong on the wrong debate stage, man. You should be debating Hochul and Williams. I and will Swansea. in the general election. You should be on the Democratic Party primary debate stage yep. right now. That now as far as what Astorino... You got the point. That uh, doesn't get you very far either way in convincing people that you can take a state that's probably in the worst shape in America and turn it around. Uh, but I will say, you know, uh, somebody here is lying. Somebody's telling the truth. I mean, here's one of the things that comes out of last night's debate. There's a, there was a liar on that stage. And you, then you got to focus it on two people, Wilson or Zeldin. Either Zeldin asked him to be a uh, uh, lieutenant governor, and Wilson has it written down in notes. I guess if it's his notes, they're not going to be terribly uh, uh, supportive of something, right? And Zeldin says, I wouldn't ask you to be a lieutenant governor, you know, if I was dying. So this is a straight out now. This isn't like they both could be right. One of those two men is telling the truth, which is a good characteristic for a governor. And one of those men is lying, which is a very bad characteristic for a governor. Now, I don't know. I guess in the course of the rest of the debates, as we watch what they say, we can figure out who it is. But going beyond the issues, this is an enormously important issue because character matters maybe more than anything else. Don't you think? I don't know. So we're going to take a short break, and when we get back, uh, we're going to show you how character matters. Okay? Use your stick. Rudy Giuliani. The Rudy Giuliani Show. That's the Army Fight Song. Of course, it's also the anniversary of the Army Flag Day, anniversary of the Army. The things that we value in America, not the things that we trash. The things that we value. Hmm? I'm going to talk to you later about T2T.org. You'll see what they do for the Army. These are the people who keep us safe, not the big mouth jerks that we hear on television all the time. 
jackasses. I don't know. Well, let's finish off with the debate uh, for, uh, for, uh, for a moment. Uh, the, uh, there was also, uh, during the debate, uh, an attack on Astorino, on Rob Astorino. And uh, let's play that, and then let me give you my comment on it, okay? This is uh, 47, I believe. We cut taxes in Westchester County, and I will cut taxes in New York State. I know how to do it because I've actually done it. Go to my Twitter feed right now and see the the proof. Lee Zeldin just told the biggest whopper ever that he didn't vote for the Cuomo budgets. Cuomo submits the budget, the executive submits it, and the legislator voted for it. So for him to say that he didn't go with the agenda of Andrew Cuomo, who, by the way, I ran against because he was a corrupt thug back then, but you thought he was the greatest in the world, and you said he should be president over him. of the United States of America. I endorsed you over him. Really? You didn't do anything? Well, they got a big dispute also. Uh, not so much a lie here, but a, a different interpretation. Astorino says that Zeldin was a uh, puppet of Cuomo when he was in the uh, state legislature, voted for Cuomo's budgets. Uh, helped Cuomo really get elected. Uh, Zeldin says that Astorino was uh, is lying about that, is not telling the truth, and and then he calls him Rolex Rob. But I don't think. And let me let me play just to be fair. Let me pe- play Zeldin's criticism of Astorino. This is forty six. First off, uh, you know, Rolex, Rolex Rob again uh, was making a false claim. I never voted for the Cuomo budgets. Actually, what happened was the Senate Republicans passed our own budgets every single time I was there, self-imposed spending cap, and then we reached a three-way agreement. Now, what he didn't tell you about his time as Westchester executive is that the deficit went up, the debt went up, no, no. the cash reserves went down, nope. the bond rating went down, and the sewer fund owed tens of millions of dollars to the general fund. He was run out of town when he ran for re-election in 20. 2017, just like he was run the out of town out, when Mr. he got Selden. crushed in Westchester, the running for state out, Senate Selden, in 2020. I know you want to respond. I certainly do. Well, you heard the response before the attack because I did an opposite, and Astorino denies that. And I've looked. I mean, I, I served with Astorino at various times, and I know Astorino. Um, I've got to say, he was a really good uh, executive of Westchester County. Um, those attacks, I mean, when we do Pinocchios, some you could interpret the way Lee interprets them. Some were dead wrong and just false. And to say he's a pariah in, in uh, Westchester County, I would say, is dead wrong. He's very, very, very well liked in um, Westchester County, which is why he's beaten everybody in Westchester County, including Andrew. Um, but Zeldin was sure on a tear. Um, and now let me give you. Let me give a little. Time. <laughs> let me give a little time to Andrew Giuliani, who who was not involved. It, maybe by nature of the fact that they wouldn't let him on the stage, and put him in a box, because he he's been vaccinated. Probably they wanted to take the safest guy, the guy least likely to give anyone COVID or get COVID, and they wanted to separate them from the people who have more of a chance of doing it. And stick them all together in the usual New York State uh, way of creating more COVID cases than any state in the country. Because, you know, when you're vaccinated, uh, you've got less of a chance of transmission, less of a chance of getting it. 
Um, so I'll play that when I when I come back because we've got just about a, a minute to go, and then we'll then I have a, a special guest who is here to help me respond to something. I usually don't need help, but this time I think it's worth uh, uh, putting out one of my. I always tell you, even on the election stuff, where they have made me into some kind of demon. I have records for everything. I, I was prepared today to read, read one of them. I'll do it another time. Just the affidavit of a guy in Pennsylvania. But we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Let me just finish the topic of the debate. And since I've given everybody else uh, a minute or two, I have to let my son uh, say something. Now, he was not involved in any of these controversies. I I suspect maybe because they decided to put him off uh, in a little box like a $64,000 question. I, I probably don't remember that. But in any event, they weren't feeding him answers like they did with Hillary or questions, nor were they being particularly nice to him. Uh, Marsha Kramer asked him a trick question toward the end in which uh, she uh, wanted to see if he knew how you get an amendment through the state. And uh, he was answering the question of how he would fire. And in fact, he was correcting Zeldin because Zeldin had the wrong uh, citation to the law about the constitutional amendment that you use to fire. But that was just a a, a quick point. And he he didn't do it by, by saying Zeldin was wrong. He just gave the right one which I think was a heck of a lot classier than the way the others uh, dealt with it. But in any event, um, she interrupted the question from the other, from the other um, moderator and said, but we're asking about, how, well, how do you get the law passed? Like, you know, he's a, a new, new candidate and he'd foul it up and he'd be finished. They did this to me. Chris Matthews did this to me. And Andrew said, oh, well, it's a legislative matter, and it has to pass the state legislature twice before it can go on the ballot. See, that was the part she thought he wouldn't know twice before it went on the ballot. But this is different. It's about something a lot more important, and it's about uh, gun control and crime. So let's go to number 38. I have to tell you, you know, when I think about the Second Amendment and I think about this debate and I think about what Governor Hochul has done, she has continued to encroach on New Yorkers' Second Amendment rights rather than empowering the police. We need to end this war on our police. I heard one of the other candidates invoke broken windows, invoke stop, question and frisk. We need to utilize programs that tip New York City specifically and that we can do for the state from 2,000 murders a year in the early 90s to less than 600 murders a year just five short years later, so, so and Giuliani, then less than 300 you, murders a year. Are you saying we should go back to the programs that your father instituted, broken windows, and stop question and frisk? Yes, I am, Marsha, clearly. Uh, good thing about him is he's not ambiguous. Well, maybe, and they'll be a little different, and I don't know. I support Trump, but I don't support Trump. I sound like one of the other candidates. Uh May I have this uh, latitude? That's a leader. Uh, Somebody who says, no, I'm not going to get vaccinated uh, just because you tell me to. And even though I know it may disadvantage me, I mean, they were threatened to keep him out completely. He was willing to do it. 
So I guess how, how, how would you not like an answer when somebody says that your policies were good? And, of course, they would be modernized and, and, and uh, somewhat different based on the different realities that we face. But it's quite a comprehensive plan. Most of it's been put out. All of it will be put out within a few days. And uh, at some point, you know, you'll have a chance to go over all of it. I mean, the main, main part of it is uh, get, get rid of Bragg, $5 billion to restore the police, stop and frisk based on the constitutional model approved by Eric Holder, which Adams doesn't even know about, uh, things like that. So now I'm going to take up something else that is a point of personal privilege, which I avoid every day. Every day I get accused of, I don't know what, a liar, doing business with people I never met, taking money from people I never met. I've been accused of being a Russian agent. I've been accused of taking millions from some crooked Chinese businessman. I don't even know who he is. Couldn't pick him out of a lineup. I've been put in places I never was. My uh, iCloud account was stolen by the FBI the day I began uh, representing Donald Trump, which, by the way, the Bar Association should be outraged about rather than going after me to suspend. They've raided my law office, Bar Association. I was representing an innocent man, Bar Association. How about my other clients, Bar Association? You don't care about that? No, no, you just care about smearing Trump. Like you, like you treat conservative candidates for judges differently. Whatever happened to integrity? Well, in a, any event, I get lied about every day. There are three other lies I could respond to today. I mean, really lied about. But I was floored when I saw that Jason Miller said that I was intoxicated on election night in the White House when I advised President Trump to announce that he had won. And I was surprised because uh, not only wasn't I, it was one of those nights where I distinctly didn't even take a wine, a beer, a hard liquor. I was on diet cola all night. Not only that, I announced it quite prominently so that people wouldn't bring it to me because I knew we were going to have to make hard decisions I knew it was going to be close. I knew it was going to be tough. And I knew we had a campaign staff that had given up five, day, five weeks earlier. And by the way, I knew we had a campaign manager who had screwed up in my campaign, had screwed up Bridgegate, who was not capable of running a mayor's campaign, much less a presidential campaign. And they had kind of like gone hiding in their offices two weeks earlier and looking for jobs. So I knew I would have to be called upon for advice. So I concentrated and then uh, they, they, I expected the I expected the rest of them to lie I expected the rest of them to lie because they basically are Washington scum but not Jason Miller who I can't tell you how much I helped that man in his life and I have witnesses to it I'm gonna represent one who happened to be with me all of that night so he and it's, uh, my, he is my friend and was my business partner, but he's a man of great standing. He's one of the chief fundraisers for the Republican Party, one of the most prominent citizens of Texas, Roy Bailey. Roy? Hello, Mayor. Roy, did you call me today? I sure did. Did I call you? Nope. I called tell, you, tell me Mayor. Why, tell me why you called me. I called you because I was watching the hearing, and I saw Jason Miller say that. And it 
just hit me like a ton of bricks. I thought, that's, that's just an absolute lie. That's just not true. And then I watched all this unravel. I watched the, I watched the media, you know, take it and run with it. Then I saw the late night shows last night just try to make you look like a, a goofball and abuse you. And I happen to respect you so much and love you. I called you to tell you, to remind you that I was with you that night. And you had nothing to drink. You were all business. In fact, I remember you were you're at your laptop. All you were doing was concentrating on everything that was going on. People were coming up to you because, of course, they love you, and they were coming up to say hi. You were basically ignoring them because you were so focused on the business at hand. So I called you to remind you that I was with you and that I was a witness and that you absolutely had nothing to drink. And by the way, I hadn't either. Thank you, Roy. Uh, there are a lot of times, Roy, when this happens, you know that because we talk about it and I don't bother to even respond because if I did, I'd be spending all my time doing that. I don't know if there are a hundred lies or a thousand that have been told about me equally as bad as this one. The thing that makes this one a little bit worse Usually they're Democrats or they're, you know, they're uh, no character, slimy Republicans like the people he had running his campaign. But uh, J- Jason, as you know, worked for me in my campaign for president. You remember he got into a great deal of trouble at one point and we helped him immensely with that. And I always considered him uh, a personal friend and a person of honor. And I do not, for the life of me, understand why he said that. This is their narrative to protect themselves. And he's going with their narrative to protect themselves. Because the group of people that says that I were drunk are the group of people that blew the election for the president and then were not prepared for what came later. But thank you, Roy. Thank you very much. And we'll see you real soon. God bless you and your family. You too. Take good care. I'm telling you. This man needs any bolster for his credibility. He's a man of faith, a man of God, <laughs> a man who tries to bring people to Jesus all the time, including he and my friend Denny, Dennison Young, who died earlier this year, who he had some wonderful conversations with. I don't know when they're going to get it straight. I don't lie. I have failings and other things, but I tell, I tell the truth. And I don't know. Haven't you seen it turn out? I mean... I was a big liar over all that stuff about Ukraine, right? It turns out every single thing I said about the Ukraine was true because I don't just say things, I base it on something. Why did I advise the president to, to, to announce that he won? Because under normal circumstances, in many, many cases, if he were a Democrat, they would have called that election for him that night instead of Fox double-crossing him and calling Arizona early that turned out to be completely malicious decision because theoretically Biden won Arizona by only 10,000 votes. You can't call that within an hour, a 10,000 vote election, unless you're screwing around. Meanwhile, Trump had larger leads than in states that they call for Biden. He was leading in Pennsylvania at one point by 800,000 votes. It went to 750,000 votes. There was 65% of the vote cast. Go to a statistician. Ask what are the odds. Are you going to make that up? Some of them will directly say it cannot be done without cheating. 
Cannot be done without cheating. Some would say very, very unlikely. When it's very, very unlikely, you call it. They never called Pennsylvania for him. He was now leading four, five other states by margins of two and a half to three and a half percent with anywhere from 65 to 85 percent of the vote cast. Those are states that when you are playing it fair and square and not screwing them with Arizona but failing to call Pennsylvania would have been called for him. What states? Michigan, Wisconsin, big lead in Wisconsin, big lead in Wisconsin, Georgia, North Carolina. He wasn't going to lose. He went on to win North Carolina. There was no doubt he was going to win North. They just wouldn't call it because it would increase his electoral margin. What are the odds that five states in which you have either a massive or a strong lead with not too many votes to go are all going to turn on you? So you have a perfect right to declare victory, to say, Looking at what I see, I believe I won this election. Now, some of his weak people didn't want him to do it. Remember, they were already working on the next job. And how are they going to be affected in that next job? If Look what they did to me. Most of them don't have the courage to go through that. And you know why I have the courage to go through it? Because I'm telling you the truth. When, uh, when the Solons from Wall Street Journal say that Trump is like deranged for saying it was a stolen election, or somehow it's illegal to say stolen election, or somehow that causes a riot to say stolen election. Is it, it ever occurred to them? Maybe they're wrong. Maybe they don't know as much as I do. Maybe they have never looked at the 300 affidavits, which the judge wouldn't look at, from Pennsylvania, from Pennsylvania citizens, not me, that swear that there were voter irregularities. One of them, one group, all lawyers, accounts for about 700,000 votes. That they, they don't have that. Do they think I'm making this up? The bar associations are making believe that I'm making this up. You're not allowed to have a separate opinion. Now, it is not fake news. It is based on facts. Could you argue over the final calculations? Maybe. Maybe. I don't think so, but maybe. But can you argue over whether Jeremy, and this man would rather not have his name be used because his law firm has already penalized him, but he would have gone as a witness, and I'm going to try to get his permission because I'd love to read his affidavit to you because he oversaw Pennsylvania, and what he oversaw is 700,000 votes being stolen. Why do you think the Republicans were barred from looking at the paper? Never before did that happen in the counting of absentee ballots. I used to be a poll watcher. When you count an absentee ballot, each party gets a chance to look at the signature and object. All you have to do is go back, those of you who are old enough, to the Chad days. And remember, when those Chads went up, you saw a Republican on one side, you saw a Democrat on the other side. And if either one didn't like it, they objected. 
in Pennsylvania, over 700,000 votes were counted with no Republican on the other side, with a Republican a football field away behind a barricade. And even when Republicans got a court order to get closer, the sheriff wouldn't enforce it. And that court order was obtained by Corey Lewandowski and Pam Bondi, who have testified to it under oath. So I don't know. You're going to have to uh, uh, torture me to get me to agree with you, Wall Street Journal, that the president is out of his mind saying it's a stolen election. He has a right to that opinion. And uh, it had nothing to do with what happened on January 6th, or at least his actions had nothing to do with it. Just like the judge in D.C. has already determined that my actions didn't, which you never report. Or that Don Jr.'s actions didn't, which you never report. If in fact, just like with the Russian uh, collusion allegation, this is an innocent man expressing an honest opinion. Maybe you should have just grant that maybe you don't know everything. Well, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with the mayor's final thoughts. The Rudy Giuliani Show. 